Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Good morning. Good to see all of you today. I want to especially say welcome to everyone who came out this morning, especially those of you who may be our guests. I look forward to hopefully meeting you at the end of the service. I'll be right over here by the doors as you exit out. Please stop by and shake my hand or fist bump me or whatever you feel comfortable with because I would like to meet you. Uh, also want to welcome all of you who are watching online. Thank you for joining us here at Eastern Heights. If you're ever in Bullock County, Statesboro, Georgia, I hope you'll join us in person. Thank you to those listening by podcast as well. We're grateful for the opportunities that we have for the gospel to go out all over the world, right? We also want to recognize uh, a special group here this weekend with our D-Now group. It was D-Now weekend, which is one of our favorite weekends of the year. And this year, we were able to be the host church for the entire uh, weekend. So that meant there were over 300 teenagers here in our building all weekend. So if things are a little bit out of place or something, then it was a teenager, okay? They did it. <clears throat> they, they always get the blame anyway, but uh, again, we're grateful. I know that we have four special students here today from the Baptist Collegiate Ministries that poured into our students uh, this weekend. If y'all would stand, if y'all are from the BCM, y'all are the leaders of our group. Let's give these guys and girls a hand. Yes. Thank y'all. Y'all may be seated. Thank y'all so much for pouring into our kids this weekend because... Um, not, not many of the rest of us would spend a whole weekend, two nights with these students because y'all look a little sleepy. I don't know what that could be from, but anyway. Uh, also, our host homes, uh, Katie Roundtree, I guess Christina also helped out. Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> but, uh, and then also uh, the Thorntons uh, kept the boys. So they especially, but Katie as well, deserve a hand. Thank y'all for keeping our group. Always a life-changing weekend, D-Now always is. So again, thank you, thank you guys and gals for uh, doing that for us. I uh, haven't mentioned it in a couple weeks, but I did want to remind you to be in prayer every single day for our search team that's looking for our next uh, staff person, full-time contemporary worship leader and youth pastor. Be in prayer for that. Also, I haven't mentioned it in a while, but continue to be generous in giving toward our Williams Building Fund renovation project. We are coming together with the bids on everything. We'll be bringing that to the church very shortly, but regardless of what direction we go and how far we go in the future, it's going to require some finances, and so I know that you'll be generous in giving toward building for our future in that project. We're going to be in Acts chapter 18 today, if you want to go ahead and be finding that. While you're doing that... It was less than a year into our marriage where Amanda and I and some friends, we decided we would go to the water park in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area because we were out at seminary at that time. And at the time in the state of Texas, this was the largest free drop water slide in the entire state of Texas. And y'all know that's a big state, right? And so it was an 80-foot drop, and they call it free drop because when you first go off the edge, you cannot feel the slide against your body, okay? It's just like you're falling out of the air. This thing is so tall, as you stood at the top, you could look over the interstate, and you could see into the Texas Rangers baseball stadium through the dome part thing, and you could see the entire playing field. It was that high. Now, 
because it was so high, it was about a 10-minute walk up to the top, and we made that 10-minute walk up that flight of stairs. But when we got up to the top, Amanda and her friend, they looked over the edge, and their excitement turned to something far different, turned to a lot of fear, right? And they kept going over to the edge, and they kept looking. They even got over to the edge where you would go off onto the slide itself, and they could not see the slide because it's so steep, you just can't see it. Well, that pretty much did it. But I was trying to say, you know, look how much fun everybody's having as she would listen to people go off and scream, you know? And so I finally got my answer when she turned and started making the long walk back down the 10-minute flight of stairs back to the bottom where it was safe. You know, for every single one of us who are followers of Jesus, we get all fired up about the good news. We get all excited about telling people about Jesus Christ. And we all agree that we want to be on mission for God. And so we are ready to take it to the whole world. And yet many of us end up at this place where even though we see other people that have gone all in and how exciting their life is, when we want to do it, I mean, we're all suited up, we're ready to go. And then we look over the edge and all of a sudden this mental thing starts happening, right? We start thinking in our mind, am I going to go? Am I going to go on mission and go all in for God? And so that's the title of today's message is Unstoppable Mission. If you're new, we've been going through this series called Unstoppable. Everything we've talked about has been unstoppable, right? Because we're looking at the book of Acts and the formation of Christianity and everything that's going on in the new churches that are starting up and how that Christianity went from this local movement to a small group of Jews to the entire world, and it even is still going today. And we've been watching and learning from these first Christians and following the writer Luke through these different accounts of the first churches that have started up. And I think that's amazing because, you know, this isn't like second or third hand stuff. Luke, the writer of Acts, actually saw all these things take place. And so he's writing from that eyewitness experience. And then we've been studying in particular a guy by the name of Paul who probably is the single most important person in the history of Christianity when it comes to someone who was sold out to the mission of spreading the good news and taking it from city to city. And so that's where we pick up today's story on the unstoppable mission of God is in chapter 18 verse 1. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila born in Pontus who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy because when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. So as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, this event is much more than just a Bible story. This is an actual historical event. It's got to be. And so I looked it up, and sure enough, it is. It's not just only in the Bible, but all of the historical accounts of that day have this deportation of the Jews leaving. And so because of this, Paul meets up with Priscilla and Aquila. And he mentions their relationship later on in others' letters as them being very important in his life because they went on mission with God together. They were leaders in churches together. Look at it, verse 3. It says, Paul lived and worked with them for they were tent makers just as he was. Now, if you're kind of new to church, you've probably heard about Paul the missionary. You've heard about Paul, the evangelist and preacher, and you've probably heard about Paul, you know, the missionary who's in full-time ministry. And a lot of you, though, are just hearing for the first time about this thing that Paul's got that's kind of like a side gig, you know, where he's a 
tent maker. He actually works with leather and he's like a craftsman and he probably does a lot of sewing. And, and he's in this with um, Aquila and Priscilla. And so what we see is that in reality, Paul had more than just a side gig. He had a full-time job making tents, right? He would make tents, at least at this point in his life. And so his side gig was actually preaching. And we've forgotten that about Paul. Verse 4, each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. So here Paul is, he's working all week long on making tents, so he has time on the weekends to go out and to preach the good news and take the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles. And so what jumps out to us here is in verses 3 and 4 is, okay, all right, Paul has this job during the week, but then on the weekend he's out there telling the good news. And if we aren't careful with this, we have a tendency to try to compartmentalize what's going on and we get this compartmentalized mindset about life. And it's one of the things that can actually stop the mission of God. Here's what I mean by that. In the modern church of today, in your life and in my life, we have this part of life over here and then we have this part of life that's over here, right? We have our church or work life over here and then we have our church life, right? We've got our private life and then we've got our public life. We've got this life over here with all of our classmates and our co-workers and then we've got this life over here with all of our church people, right? And then there's these other friends I hang out with at times during the week and then there's the more spiritual friends that I have as well. And I don't know about you, uh, uh, you know, people are different, but you may be the kind of person when you go to the buffets in town or whatever that you like the ones that have the divider plates, you know, that keep all the things separated, all your food groups separated. You don't want your mashed taters up in there with your green peas and you don't want your, you know, corn up in there with the green beans and stuff like that. And if they don't have dividers, you'll take your knife and make a division, Right? Because it's not okay for those food groups to be touching, even though your family makes fun of them. He says, it's all going to the same place anyway. You know, what you, how many of you heard that? Well, I know it's true because I see elbows flying everywhere. Some of you are that kind of person, right? Well, here's the deal. Some of us do that with life. We try to keep all these different parts of our life all divided up and all neat and clean and in order. We try to separate out the different parts of our life. We don't want our faith part to get over here with the work stuff. We don't want our faith part to get over here in our recreational life. And we don't want our faith part to even get over here with our friends and our family or certain friends and family, you know. We want to keep it all separated, all neat, clean, and tidy. Well, compartmentalizing our life is one of the very first obstacles to being on mission for God. To be on his unstoppable mission, you cannot compartmentalize your life. And you look at Paul's life. His job didn't keep him from being on God's mission. It was not an obstacle at all. Matter of fact, it was a benefit because it would take him out into the workplace. It would take him into the marketplace. And he would talk to people that there were no way in the world he was ever going to talk with them in the synagogue. And so it was not an obstacle. And later we see that Paul would move from being in this part-time situation on the weekends to where it took him to a full-time ministry. Verse 5. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all of his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So he's called a full-time ministry as a missionary. 
And so some of you are called to be the Paul in verse 3 and 4. I mean, you are out there now and you've got another job somewhere. Maybe you're a homemaker. Maybe you're an administrative assistant. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you're a lawyer. Maybe you're an educator. Maybe you're a student, which, by the way, that's not meant to be a full-time gig, you know. All right? Just so y'all know that. Amen, parents? All right? It's supposed to be four in and out, not this six or seven deal. I don't know who came up with that. But anyway. All right. So he's, you, you may be in that point of life where you've got other things going on. Right? And I want you to understand that wherever you show up and whatever you're doing, God wants you to be on mission for him at that place, wherever you are. See, when we look at the Bible, there's no difference in the Paul that we see in verses 3 and 4 as a part-timer and the Paul that we see in verse 5 as a full-timer. Everywhere Paul went, he was an ambassador for Christ. And you know what? So are we. In simple terms, if you're taking notes, God's unstoppable mission uses every part of our life. And I got to thinking back over my life and all the different stages and phases that I've gone through. I thought about when I was in, you know, middle school and high school. I thought about when I was in college and then when I had my first few jobs and all that kind of stuff. And I thought of how God used all those different situations that I was always on mission for God no matter where I was. And we all are because we all carry the character of God everywhere we go. We carry his speech. We carry his forgiving spirit. We, we carry his love. We, we carry his excitement. All that he is, we carry with us every single place that we go, folks. You know, I read about this business executive that went out of town on a convention. And while he's on this convention, someone witnessed to him, and he ended up accepting Christ and becoming a Christian. And when he got back to work, he was so excited about his newfound faith, he just couldn't be quiet about it. I mean, when he was working, he was telling his friends about it. When he was on break in the break room, he was telling everybody about Jesus. And so later on that day, sure enough, he got called into the boss's office. And you're thinking, he's going to tell him how he needs to be quiet about his newfound faith. Well, that's not what happened. Instead, the boss says he is so happy that his employee has become a Christian because he is a Christian as well, the boss is. And that for years he'd been praying for this employee to come to know Jesus. And the employee who just got saved says, What? You're a Christian? He said, You're the reason I almost didn't become a Christian. And you're probably thinking what I'm thinking, and that is he's fixing light into him about what a hypocrite he is. You know, you're a jerk for a boss. You take all the credit for all the work that we do. You know, you're, you're just mean and unkind. You never treat us fair. But that's not what he said. What he said was, I've always admired you as a person. You know, you're very caring as a boss. We can tell that you're very invested in all of us as your employees, and you care what's best for us. You always give credit to your wife and your children at home for the support that makes you successful here at the workplace. And you know, you're just the kind of person I've always wanted to be. But I had no idea that you were a Christian because you've never, ever mentioned Jesus Christ. And don't miss this part. He said, so I assumed if you didn't need Jesus to become that kind of person, that I didn't need Jesus to become that kind of person. I want you to hear God today. Your good works without giving credit to your good God can be a deterrent to people coming to Jesus just as it can be 
something that will bring them and draw them to faith in Christ. If we display the character of Jesus without speaking the name of Jesus that goes along with it and that brings about the life change inside of each one of us, we can only assume that a good life is possible without Jesus, right? I mean, can you imagine someone giving up almost everything and going to a foreign country to do life with another people group for several years? They go in and teach them maybe how to read and write. They go in and teach them how to grow crops. Or they go in and they just are kind to them and they love on them. But then they never mention Jesus Christ. See, you thought I was talking about a missionary, right? A Christian missionary. But did you know there are people who go and do that? They go and help other people groups out. And they never, ever mention Jesus because they're not on mission for God. They're just good people doing good things for other people. And God doesn't get anything from that. And so God's mission takes us into the break rooms. It takes us into the boardrooms. It takes us into the classroom to speak about Jesus for people who need to know and hear about Jesus. See, the truth is my messages, I understand that most likely they're not going to make it to a classroom. They're not going to make it to a boardroom or a break room. And that's why it's not up to just one preacher or one person. It's up to all of us to take Jesus everywhere we go, wherever we're at at all times to people who need to hear about Jesus. That's what we mean when we say we want to be a life-changing church. That is, Jesus changes your life, and then you share that change with other people who need to hear about the Jesus who changed your life. That's how it works. That's what we mean by that. But see, it has to start somewhere, and it doesn't start out there. It starts in here with you, and it starts with me. Jesus has to change our life first before we can tell anybody about it. When's the last time that happened? When's the last time Jesus changed anything about your life? That's what's so important about D-Now Weekends. It gives these teenagers an opportunity for Jesus to do a life-changing work in their life. Something to go with them for the rest of their life. So resist the obstacle of compartmentalizing Jesus to only Sunday mornings at 1030. Or resist compartmentalizing your Jesus to another Bible study at some other time during the week. Because it's much, much more than just that. See yourself as a missionary always on mission, the unstoppable mission of God. There's a second thing, a second obstacle to the unstoppable mission of God is thinking that everyone else is just like everyone else. Now, how many of you knew that was what going to come? All right, good, it worked. I worded it good. I didn't want you to know ahead of time. But that's what we do. We think everybody else is just like everybody else. Look at verse 6. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, Your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I'll go preach to the Gentiles. In other words, I, I, I've had enough of you guys. Y'all are on your own. I've tried. Y'all not listening. You don't want to listen. I'm going to go talk to somebody who will listen. Verse 7. Then he left and went to the home of Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogues, right next door. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. So you've got this revival going on, so to speak. People are getting saved, and they're coming to know Jesus. You see, when we finally do get the courage to step out and to share Jesus with other people, you've got to know that the first time that we run into a little rejection, the devil's going to hit us full force, Right? He's going to tell you, yeah, I see that, that negative experience you just had. That's the way every one of them is going to be. Everybody else is just like them. 
They didn't want to hear it. Nobody else wants to hear it either. So just throw in the towel. Just give it up. But that's not what Paul did. He didn't throw in the towel. He just went next door and he got some encouragement from a fellow believer. And he kept on sharing the good news with those who would listen to it. And the Bible says that many did listen and many people came to know Jesus Christ because of it. So if you're sharing the good news, you've got to expect a little bit of rejection. But do not give up because you need to also hear today, other people will listen. Everybody else is not just like everybody else. Some will not only listen, some will accept Jesus. But it's that fear of rejection that's pretty real, isn't it? Pretty intimidating. It'll deter us, right? I mean, how many of you in here love rejection? Yeah, didn't think so. Not fun. Well, there's a third obstacle that we have to overcome on the unstoppable mission of God, and that's fear. Don't you look what happens when Paul overcomes this obstacle of thinking that everyone else is just like everybody else. Verse 9. It says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid. I want you to underline that. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. You know, we look at Paul, at least I do, and I think, man, he was an awesome dude, man. He was, he was it. I mean, he was great. He was fantastic. And then we go, yeah, and there's no way I could ever be like him. There's no way. That's a standard I just can't come up to as a disciple of Jesus. There's no way. I want to remind you today that Paul was very much human. And Paul did not have a superpower that had been given to him that made him a supernatural Christian. He had the same God that we have. He had the same access to the same power that we have. He just accessed it and used it. But we see how human he is in this passage, don't we? Where God comes to him, don't be afraid. No one will attack or harm you. See, you'd have thought maybe, God, you could have led with that before the mission, but God knows what we need exactly when we need it, and he gives us what we need when it that time of need comes around, right? And that's exactly what he does because this is what we see the whole time that Paul is going around. We talked about this several times, right? Paul goes from city to city, and he starts out preaching in the synagogue. And when it first starts out, the first two or three weeks aren't too bad, you know? They just get a little bit of pushback. But it's when the leaders of the synagogue start getting saved and baptized. It's when the city officials and the leaders of the city, they start getting saved and baptized. That's when the mob mentality kind of sets in, right? And so we see Paul, he leaves the synagogue, he goes next door, and he goes to the former leader of the synagogue who's now a Christian. All of his family's a Christian. They're all out there spreading the good news. And so Paul, you know in the back of his mind it's starting to creep in there. Okay, it's happening again. God, you're doing your thing, and it's awesome to watch all these people getting saved and baptized, but what's fixing to happen to me? Because every time this happens, I end up getting roughed up a little bit, okay? And to be honest, I've enjoyed about all the flogging I can enjoy for just a little bit. I could use a break. And so all this is going through his mind, and naturally this fear is welling up inside of him. And then the vision comes. I've got you, God says. I've got you. Because see, being on mission for God 24-7, it'll, it'll wear you down. It'll beat you down. If you're really trying to be on mission for God, because the devil is always attacking you and trying to keep you from being on this mission. 
See, I've had seasons in my own life where I felt like I was obeying God. I was doing every single thing He wanted me to do, but it was still failing. And instead of being excited about serving God, I was just totally deflated. And my conversations with God would go like this. It would go, okay, God, if this is what being on mission for you is going to be, if this is what serving you is going to produce, then I'm not sure I've got the energy to keep on keeping on for you. Maybe you've been there in your own life. Maybe, maybe you're there today. I mean, you're here, but you're pretty deflated in your spiritual walk. I mean, you've taken the risk of stepping out and being on mission for God. I mean, you've tried to reconcile that marriage relationship, and it's worse now than it's ever been. You tried to reconcile that broken friendship, and now they won't even speak to you. You know, you tried to stay in the Word of God and to have your quiet time and remain close to God, but every time you try, it's just like a desert that's just dried up and you don't get anything out of it. And so you go, you know what, heck with it. And other things just keep coming up from your past that just wear on you and wear you down and they beat you down. And every time you step out in obedience, that's when everything falls apart. And what person in their right mind wants to do that? That's been my testimony many occasions. Seems like most time, when the more I step out for God, the more junk comes my way. It's kind of like, well, I about enjoyed all of that that I can stand? What about it? You know what I'm talking about? And it's in those moments, see, when we look over the edge and we decide to take the plunge that only to hit bottom and just totally wipe out, right? And that kind of experience tells us, you know what, just pack it in. Just keep it all bottled up. You know, just stop trying to have those spiritual conversations with people. Just stop trying to reach out. Stop looking over the edge. Just, just forget it. See, that's where Satan really begins to get his work done. If you're taking notes, write this down. Satan will leverage past wounds to stop future work. He'll do that. He'll bring it up to you. It'll just come to your mind. It'll come to your spirit all the time. And he'll just remind you all those past wounds. Every time that you've tried and you got hurt, He'll just keep bringing that up. Say, no, 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 don't you do it again. You know what's going to happen. He'll take everything that's happened in the past. He'll create these mental obstacles that keep us from ever wanting to try again, to ever reach out to that person, to ever start that spiritual conversation, and to ever be on an unstoppable mission for God. And the way he tries to frame it in our minds is he goes like this. He says, you know, can you, can you handle another rejection? He makes it about you and what you can accomplish. Can I handle it? See, and when Satan gets us in that place, we're not thinking about our relationship with God. We're thinking about our relationship with that situation, right? I want to read that same passage again, highlighting a different part of it. Look at verse 9 again. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent, for I am with you. I want you to underline that part. For I am with you and no one will attack and harm you for many people in this city belong to me. You know, one of my former pastors played football at the University of South Carolina. And so a few years back, he got some tickets to the game. He wanted to know if I wanted to go. And I said, hey, college football, I love college football. It doesn't have to be Alabama, I'll go. Yeah, she, yeah, let's go. 
And so we did. What I didn't realize is a former player, that his special tickets were special. All right? They had a special parking place. They had a special entry gate. They had a special seating area. They had a special eating area. They had a special bathroom area. I mean, everything about it was special. I felt pretty special, you know? I mean, it was a great way to go watch a game. Sure be sitting out in 103 degree sun beating down on you, right? Up until we started to walk into the special eating area. And he was walking in front of me. I was walking behind, and he walked right on through. The security person went and stopped me. What part of me doesn't look like a former college football player? I mean, what, what's the problem here? What's the holdup? Give me the ball. You know? Put me in, coach. And then I immediately said, hey, I'm with him. That former pastor turned around and he said those magic words, yep, he's with me. And I just went right on in, right? See, God's word to Paul is it's not about Paul. God's word is my presence is with you. My presence is with you, Paul. See, usually it's like my situation with the lower person in authority trying to point to the person in higher authority. But I love how God is so awesome with this. He just takes it and completely flips it around because he doesn't say, don't be afraid, you're with me. He says, don't be afraid, I am with you. And there's a big, big difference. See, the God of this universe is stooping down going, I'm not only for you, I am with you. And a lot of us, we come to church every Sunday and we are thinking and we take away God's for us. God's for us. Who can be against us? And that's a good thing. But God's not just for us, folks. He is with us. He's with you. Everywhere you go, 24-7, he is with you through the good and the bad. This isn't a new promise to his people. Remember the people that were going to go into the promised land and all the stuff that they'd gone through, all the obstacles they had to overcome? Well, they needed a little bit of encouragement. So God sent a word to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you imagine walking through that wall of water, through that sea? And I don't know exactly how it was done, but I can just imagine if there's a wall of water and they're walking across on dry land, they're probably looking like, you know, wondering if it's going to come down at any moment. He says, hey, look what all I've brought you through. You don't have to be afraid. I'm with you wherever you go. Not just in the sea, but on land too. Let's go. God's plan, his game plan hasn't changed, folks. You know what his pregame speech would be to the team? Don't be afraid, I'm with you. You know what his halftime speech would be no matter what the score? Don't be afraid, I'm with you. And that's what he's telling us today as we're going through the game of life is, hey, folks, don't be afraid, I'm with you. The game plan has not changed. See, he gave Joshua a word of encouragement before his mission. He needed that. God gave Paul a word of encouragement during his mission, and Paul needed that. And so maybe there's someone here today that needs that word of encouragement from God, that God is with you as you continue on your mission for him that is unstoppable even today and tomorrow. And God is reminding us, as we continue the mission of Eastern Heights, hey, don't be afraid. I'm with you. As you seek your next 
staff person. Do not be afraid. I am with you. As you renovate and you build for the future, do not be afraid. I am with you. As you continue to go forward wherever the mission of God takes Eastern Heights, do not be afraid. I am with you. That's the message. Because there are always going to be obstacles to the mission of God, right? Always. But we can't let Satan trap us and keep us in the obstacles, folks. Yes, we're going to face obstacles. We're going to face many more in the days ahead. But we can't stay there. We can't let that mindset come in. You don't have to live in fear, folks. God is with us. And God is with you. You don't have to throw in the towel on the mission God has for you or for this church. I believe that with all my heart. And because Paul didn't throw in the towel, once you look at verse 11. Because he got that encouraging word, Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. Can you imagine how many people came to know Christ and were baptized during that year and a half? Probably be phenomenal. So we've covered a lot of ground here today. and Our time's up, so I'm not sure which part hit you. I don't know if it was the fear part. I don't know if it's the part where you try to compartmentalize Jesus out of the rest of your life or what it might be, or you just think everybody's like everybody else. Nobody wants to know about Jesus, so you just don't even try. Whatever it is that God spoke to you most about, just step out. Just step out. God's with you. You see, I eventually talked Amanda into going down that slide. But I told her now, we walk back up here 10 minutes again, you're going down this slide. And she did. And may I tell you, I now know what a death scream sounds like. She not only went into the water crying, but somehow she came up out of the water crying. You go, how do you know? I mean, there's water everywhere. Oh, no, this wasn't your normal crying. Okay, this was the gnashing of teeth kind of crying. Okay? I thought I wasn't going to be able to ride home with her. But you know what? For days, even though it scared the life out of her, she could not quit talking about how exhilarating it was to go down that slide, especially those first few milliseconds where you can't feel the slide against your body and you don't know if it's going to be there or not. You see, maybe that's where some of us are today. God's calling us to step out. And we want to go, no, I want to know where the slide is. I want to know how steep the drop is. I want to know everything about the ride. God says, no, that's not the way it works. The unstoppable mission of God, is going, they're going to take you places that are uncertain. And they're a little scary. But you know what? Don't be afraid for I am with you. So the simple takeaway today is this. Stay the course. Stay on mission. Keep looking over the edge and stepping out. It's worth the risk. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for the fact that Paul is such a great um, person just to remind us that obstacles are going to be there left and right. 
And what a great encouragement it is today, not only from Paul's life, but mainly from your word, that we do not have to be afraid that you are not only for us, but you are with us every step of the way. And so I pray for that person that's listening today that is going through a season that they just are far from you. They're in that desert, and they just are tired, and they just can't trust you like they once did. I pray that, Father, you would revive their hearts again today. Bring them back to the unstoppable mission that you've called them to be on. I pray that you would encourage them in every step that they take. Even though they may run up against obstacles, that they would be able to overcome them because you are with them. And we ask it in the name of Christ. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's all stand together as we sing and worship today. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.